The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. What it looks like to follow Jesus and how actually uh, it's the best life, it's the greatest life we can possibly live is a life that is surrendered to following Jesus. So we're going to look at basically God's big dream, God's big vision of building His church. And as I was preparing uh, this week and I was praying, I was reminded again of just 2020, right? Hands up, who loved 2020? Oh, there's a few of us. Wow, I was expecting none. Uh, I got to speak at a different church last week. I spoke on self-control and I thought I would sort of open with like, who here uh, made some New Year's resolutions? Not a single hand went up. So everyone was super depressed by last year. They just thought, stuff that. We're not going to even make plans. We're not going to have any dreams. Um, But often in life, um, we, we can get really, really distracted, particularly in the West. We have so many things that are vying for our attention and our time and our energy and our thought. We have so many things to do, so many plates to kind of carry and we try to balance them. Everything is vying for a piece of our life pie, if you want to say. Uh, We've got family and friends that we try to navigate. Uh, We've got relationships to attend to. We've got study and work to attend to. We've got exercise and diet, which... We absolutely attend to all the time. Uh, We've got our social media accounts to update. You know, if you've got kids, you know, like us, uh, this this past little week and a half, it's been trying to send off all four of our children to school and that requires so much of our attention and our time. And often what happens in life is we get really, really distracted about the important things because everything is urgent and it's right in front of us and that's kind of the culture in which we live in. We're distracted by life. We're also often frustrated by life. We are seeking to achieve. We're seeking to do things. And years like 2020 happen when all of our hopes and dreams don't quite get realized in the way that we wanted. So we build things that don't last. We teach things that don't stick. We serve people who are ungrateful. We raise children that don't enjoy being raised. We can feel controlled by life. Because of all of this, we feel stressed. We feel worried. We feel boxed in. We have to, you know, get good grades at school so that we can then go and get into uni, so that we can then go and get the job, and then we're supposed to maintain the job, and then obviously we've got to find that life partner in that journey, and then, well, you've got to buy a house, and it's got to look like this, and this is kind of what culture says life looks like, and often we can feel controlled and boxed in by that. And as I was thinking about just 2020 and and the year that was last year, I was reminded that God felt none of that. Not once in 2020 did God feel frustrated. There was not a single moment of 2020 where God was like, oh, this isn't working. Oh, this wasn't what I had in mind and planned. God never felt boxed in. He never felt controlled By last year, God was never, ever distracted last year. There is a difference between you and I. We are human and God is not. And my friends, if you don't know God, that is great news. Because God never changes. He's never caught off guard. There's nothing that you and I do where he freaks out about it. God has a plan. 
It is a perfect plan and he is executing that plan perfectly. Our response to that is to how do we get on board with what God is saying, what God is calling us to, because this is the only thing that cannot fail. It's God's plan, God's agenda. You and I can make decisions about what type of house to build and then things can go wrong with it. You and I can make plans about you know, who we wish to marry and that can be difficult and complicated, but not so for God. So I want to kind of draw us into this question of to what is God's plan? And often when we do Vision Sunday, we will we'll go through sort of like our mission statement and some of our values. Today, what I want to do is just ask, what is God's plan? And how do we play a role in that? And so on the screen, there'll be just kind of this, this uh, bunch of scriptures today uh, that are going to come up. We're going to move a fair bit around. So uh, don't feel you have to have your Bible out. Um, if you want to just look good in front of people, just have it out and flick through and just like, yeah, I know where that one is. <laughs> I got there so quick. Okay, you, you can be that guy uh, if you want. Uh, look, that one was already highlighted. Uh, that's kind of the, that's the thing I love. Um, so look at just some of the language that Jesus uh, has throughout sort of this, this ministry that Jesus has on the earth. And so Matthew 4 starts off like this. It says, from that time... This is like the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is the start of his ministry. Jesus began to preach saying, repent, turn, turn from and turn to, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 6, Jesus then teaches his disciples how to pray. Pray, God's kingdom come, God's will be done. And then later on, he, he tells them, like, seek first that kingdom. Go after that kingdom. Make that kingdom your priority. Matthew 9. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That means there is a message that Jesus is telling people about this kingdom, that this king is coming, this kingdom is coming, and it is good news. It's not bad news. It's great news. In fact, the Bible says it's good news of great joy. Matthew 10, he's speaking now to his disciples. He says to them, And proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of God is he at heaven. So here's my message of the kingdom. Now you as followers of me, now you start to have the same message. You start to tell people the good news of this kingdom. Matthew 11 says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Different commentators kind of think that that means different things. Some sort of see it as being like the kingdom of God is kind of like the kingdom of heaven is, is there's always opposition to it, but it keeps advancing. Or it's kind of saying, uh, actually, those who are part of the kingdom are kind of advancing the kingdom. Either way, the message is this kingdom is moving forward. It advances. And then if you get to Matthew 13, uh, it's an incredible uh, sort of passage of, of, the, of the Bible where Jesus actually outlines multiple parables to help people to understand what the kingdom of heaven is, what the kingdom of God is. And so if you read through there, you'll see all of these different parables where Jesus is trying to give insight and understanding as to what this kingdom looks like. And then we get to where we want to focus today, which is Matthew 16. So all the way up until this point, it's all been about in the book of Matthew, it's been about the kingdom of God. So it says this in verse 13. It says, when, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? That's Jesus speaking of himself. Who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some people say you're John the Baptist. 
Others say that you're Elijah. That's an Old Testament prophet. Others say Jeremiah, another Old Testament prophet. Like everybody kind of knows you're somebody. Everybody kind of knows you're, you're pretty significant. And everyone's kind of coming up with their own views as to who you are. And then he says to them, that's great. Who do you say I am? In your mind, in your heart, who am I to you? And Simon Peter, I love Simon. I love Peter. Um, he's very much uh, someone I relate to because he speaks before he thinks. Uh, he just, he's a verbal processor. Any of those in the room? Um, if you see Jesus and Peter, sometimes that goes well for Peter. Sometimes that goes really bad. So at one point after this, Peter actually says to Jesus, I think you're wrong. And it's like, you should have thought about that before you said that in front of all your mates, Peter, because now I'm going to kind of say, well, that's great, because that sounds like Satan to me. You know? And so sometimes it goes bad. This is one of the ones where it goes really, really good for Peter. Peter goes, you are the Christ. That is, you're the promised Messiah. You are the one that the whole of the Old Testament was pointing to. You are the promised Messiah, the Son of the living God. You are not just an ordinary man. You are not just a good moral teacher. You are not just some prophet who can see the future and sort of predicts it. You are more than that. You are the promised Messiah, the Son of the living God. You are the God-man we've been waiting for. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you. I think that's really important for us to see. Believing that and understanding that, blessed. There is something good about seeing that and believing that. It says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. It's a really weird last name, but hey. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And listen to these words. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail it. I will build my church and nothing can stop it. This church has been going on for 2,000 years so far. It, is, it has been uh, the most debated, the most discussed and the most opposed thing in the history of the world. And it continues on. China. Communist China tried to shut it down and all they did was led to 35,000 people per day believing that Jesus was the Son of God, the promised Messiah. Now we see it in the Middle East trying to bring persecution against the church and it is now the fastest growing area of the entire world where people are coming to faith. Why? Because you can't stop God from building His church. You can't stop it. You can try you can try and have policies, political policies around it. You can try and restrain it. You can try and shut up people. You can persecute them. But no matter what you do, it will advance because God is building it. And what God says is, here is my dream. Here is my vision. My vision is to come and establish my kingdom on this earth. And the way that God does that is through the building of His church. If you are a Christian in this room, we don't just profess to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We now get invited to come and play as participants in the building of God's church. And it is the only thing that you and I can put our hands to, put our time to, put our energy and money and everything else towards that is promised to never fail but only continue advancing. 
That's good news. Because what that does is it takes off the level of fear and worry and anxiety and the weight in which you and I might carry. And we go, God's building it. He's behind it. It can't fail. When we started as a, a church that was replanting into the area of North Lakes in 2016, we prayed a lot. We asked God a lot of questions. And there are a lot of fears and anxieties around how do we start a church? What does this look like? Who's going to be with us? Where are we going to meet? And you know what God did? He took those fears away from us and He just said, Go and I'll provide. And do you know what, he, you know what He's done? Just keeps providing. This building that we are currently in is evidence of God's provision for us. This is building number four. For those of you who knew, you don't know that. You don't feel that. For you, you walk in, you're like, oh, this is great, it's nice and big. We've been in some really small bad rooms. <laughs> we've, experienced some, we've experienced a room that we don't even know what shape it is. Because it had a straight line going down this way and then a hor- like a, a what do you, it's not a horizontal, an angled line going this way. And so it's kind of like, sort of like a triangle, but we weren't really sure. And this had glass all on this side and we could see out. But nobody could see in. So we had things like people looking in like this and you're trying to worship and weirdos looking in going, we had pregnant women lift up their shirts, get the moisturizer and rub their bellies. It gets better. And then hubby come and go, yeah, let me get in on that and let's, let's moisturize the belly whilst we're trying to have church. And people are trying to concentrate and then everybody has lost concentration. And for those of you who know Pastor Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy was like, concentrate on me. Looky, looky, looky here, looky here. You know, trying to get around. We have been in some weird, strange places. From there, we met in a cafe at North Lakes, which basically uh, was a great blessing as well, but it was difficult. We didn't have rooms for kids. We didn't have anything. We just basically had a, a space that could fit 40 people in. Then from there, we went to the cornerstone building up the top, which some of you are like, when are we going back? <laughs> Revelation. We are not. <laughs> Disappointment. Yes. Get over it. Yes. <laughs> Um, this incredible building which allowed us to look all the way up the coast and all the way into the city. But also meant we had to have kids' rooms in multiple levels. So some kids' rooms on level two, some kids' rooms on level three. And particularly with COVID, we could not meet. We couldn't fit with the social distancing. And so once again, we prayed and we asked God, God, what are you doing? Where do you want us to go? And then somehow we emailed nearly 30 schools in the entire Moreton Bay region. And every school, particularly state schools, said they could not because of the COVID policy, except for one school. God continues to provide for us as his children. He continues to advance his church. So I want to just look at maybe three things today that God might be encouraging and inviting you into as he continues to build the church. Number one is as God builds this church, it requires workers. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. And the view of God that you have from, whether that's from culture or family, is just that what God is about is about creating a whole lot of rules in which a whole lot of people just need to obey. And as soon as they disobey, he just gets angry with them and corrects them and says, no, stay in the box. 
When you read the Bible, the Bible is less about God giving a whole lot of rules to people and more about God inviting a whole lot of people into a story, which is the greatest story ever told. He's inviting people to say, hey, listen, I've created you in a certain way so that you can come and be a worker with me in this place called earth. So even in the beginning with Adam and Eve, he tells them, I want you now, I want you now as my kids to go and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Go and be creative. Go and expand. When the Bible tells us here in Matthew 16 that God builds his church, the question we should ask is how? How does he do that? Does he just go, bang? Oh, LCC Northlakes just came out of nowhere. It's like, no, no, no. What he does is God invites his people to come and be a part of the building up of the church. So Jesus says that he is the designer of the entire universe. He is the designer of the church. He is the master builder. But he also says he wants to work with Peter. Peter, you're a part of that. Peter, you're... It's not just I'm going to build my church. It's with you, Peter. It's with you, disciples. And for everyone else who would become a follower of Jesus, they too get to play a part and be a worker who co-works with God, co-labors with God. So yes, Jesus is the ultimate builder of the church. That's why he can say that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but, but think about it for a second. What is a gate for? A gate is to kind of keep something in and something out. So when you think warfare, gate is more defensive. The gates of hell should not prevail against. It doesn't mean that the, the enemy is walking around with a bunch of gates as a special weapon that, we, that nobody's ever thought about, and they're just trying to... No, no, it's a defensive piece. And so what it's a picture of is... The church, the kingdom of God is advancing and it's actually on the offensive, not on the defensive. So the gates of hell, so to speak, it's like the, the enemy cannot stop it. And we're not, we're not on the defensive from the enemy. We're not scared of the enemy. We're actually going forward and he can't beat us. So Jesus is saying, after, like for, for 2,000 years, this is what he's been saying. is like, come and be a part of that because that's fun. That is enjoyable. So how does, build, how does Jesus build his church? He builds it with his people. There is this part in Matthew 25 where a whole lot of disciples and people are sort of being told, like, you didn't do this, you did this. It says this, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared from, uh, for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was in prison, you came to me. And they, they say to him, well, when, when did we do that for Jesus? It's like every time you did that for someone, you did that for me. And it helps us to see that the way that God actually loves you and loves me isn't just horizontally. The way that I experience the love of God is through you. The way that people are clothed, the way that people are loved by God and cared for by God and healed for by God is actually not just, it is this, but it's also this. It's as we love people. It's as we care for people. God is working in and through us. So another verse, 1 Corinthians 3, it says, I planted, this is Paul speaking, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. 
He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So if you are here and you are a follower of Jesus, you get to be a worker with God. Your heavenly Father is inviting you to come to his workplace every single day and bring your tools. And he's saying, come. I'll carry the heavy load. I'll do the ultimate working, but come and join me. Plant. Water. Soil. So question to those of us in the room who are Christians is, in what way, how can you work with God to see not just big picture his kingdom, but particularly this church grow and mature? Number two, it requires a good foundation. Uh, I'm not a builder. Uh, I, I build Lego. That's about as far as I go. Uh, but what I've learned through my experience of Lego building, particularly through COVID, is that the Lego is only as secure as the foundation. If you don't get the foundation right, it falls over very, very quickly. So after you know, a bit of like watching Lego Masters and things like that, I learned some secrets and some tools to make sure we get the, the base of the, the Lego strong and support it. And from there, we can add all the special, sort of special things that get the votes uh, on who wins the, uh, wins the Lego. We know this, that before you can build up, you must build down. Right, this here that we uh, we we see the we see the above the ground. This is only as good as what is underneath. Is only as good as what it is built on. Jesus says, says I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, on this foundation, I'm going to build the church. This is one of the most debated parts of all of the New Testament because people are going, well, what does the rock mean? Like, what is this rock? And it's debated. Some people say, well, it's Jesus. Jesus has said to Peter, now his, his name in Greek literally means stone. So it's like, you stone, on this rock, I'll build my church. So some people believe that it's Jesus. Sort of, if we were there, we would have seen him going, you're a good, you're a good strong dude. You're a stone. And on this rock, though, I'm going to build the church. On me. I am, and we see this in other places in the Bible where it talks about Jesus being the cornerstone and the foundation. Other people go, well, no, it seems to be more that he's talking about the revelation, that on this rock of revelation of who I am as the Son of God, as the Messiah, upon that revelation of Jesus being the God-man, on that we build the church. And then others would say, no, it seems to be that he is speaking of actually Peter, that Peter, I'm going to build my church upon you. And we see this with Peter, right? We see that Peter is the one who gives the first message of the kingdom to Jewish people in Acts chapter 2. And then we see later in Acts chapter 8, he's the first one to kind of give it to these Samaritans who are sort of half Jewish and half non-Jewish. And then he's the first to preach to the whole Gentile world. And so there's a sense of which we see that in the church, Peter is this really, really key player that the church is being built on. And so which is it? Well, I think it's a bit of all three. I think Jesus is saying, Peter, you're a part of the foundation. We are going to build this church. It is primarily and ultimately built on me, but you're also going to be a part of it. It's not just built on me. You're going to build on me. Then someone's going to build on you. Then someone's going to build on you. And 2,000 years later, we're going to have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of little stones that the church is being built upon. So there is a sense in which, uh, yes, 
Peter is this, this rock, this stone. He's not the ultimate rock. He's not the ultimate stone, but he is one of the pillars of foundation. Look at what Ephesians 2, 19 to 22 says. It says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. Built on that. Peter is one of those. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God's spirit. So it's a sense in which Jesus is the ultimate foundation. Peter is a massive part of the foundation. Being one of the, He's the first Christian in the entire New Testament. And he is going to go out into all the world telling people about the good news of this kingdom of Jesus. And then from there, those people, you, me, we would also become parts of the building of God, joint and fit together. And then number three, this building requires different materials. So throughout the Bible, God continually picks all sorts of people. And you're, you're probably sitting here maybe and, and thinking, well, God can't really use me that well because I'm not, you know, I'm not, like I'm not even a stone. You know, I'm the sand that you can just kind of kick and phew, no one even knows exists. You know, Peter's a stone and God's a rock. Um, when you read the Bible, you kind of get the sense that God just gets to choose that. So we see God choosing farmers and kings, soldiers and shepherds, priests, uh, princes, poets, prophets, historians. God chooses highly educated scholars and doctors. He also includes uneducated fishermen. He includes the poor. He includes the rich. He includes the loyal. He includes traitors like tax collectors. One who is writing this book. Matthew is not a loyal man, but God called him in. He's not the educated man, but God has called him in. He calls religious people and non-religious people. He calls men and women, adults and children, people who are whole, people who are hurt. The end picture of the story is God celebrating the fact that He chooses all nations, all peoples, all tribes, all tongues. And we all get there and we have the exact same thing. Wow! He included you. He included me. And we will worship and celebrate when we get there with God. Of Look at what He did. And He did it with you. He did it with me. He did it with a person who, who is absolutely sure of their faith, like Peter in that moment. And then will be the next stage of Peter later when we doubt and go, no, nah, I don't think he is anymore. I don't know him. God isn't choosing people who have it all together. God is saying, I'm the God who has it all together and I'm inviting all types of people to play all types of roles to see this one kingdom, this one church be established on the earth. The greatest ability you can give God is simply your availability. All throughout the Old Testament, we have a whole bunch of people that aren't so great. But you know what they keep saying? Yes. 
We look at the prophets of the Old Testament and we think, man, they're amazing. How good would it be to be a prophet? All of them are like, pick someone else. I don't want to do the job. Can you get someone else who has to lay on their side for three and a half years? Because that's going to really suck. <laughs> We're allowed to say that word. I apologize. My son's, I think, the youngest in the room. Sorry, Fletch. Right? There is a sense of, yeah, you're going to come to this. And Jeremiah's like, pick someone who's older than me. I'm a kid. I'm a baby. And God's like, yeah, do not despise your youth, bud. I'm not calling you because you're old. I'm calling you because I call you. And I will work through you. Moses, like, nah, I can't talk in front of people. Uh, uh. Like Joe Biden ain't got nothing on Moses. All right, that guy, Moses, was terrified to speak. And in fact, it had to start with Aaron, somebody else being the voice for him. So many people filled with anxieties and fears and God just continues to go, hey, listen, be reminded again, it's not just you working. You're working for me. And I am doing the ultimate work through you. Let your fears come aside. Don't, don't just allow all the reasons why you can't. Just keep saying yes. 1 Peter 2, 4-5 says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and pressure, that's speaking of Jesus, says you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable through God. Here is the thing. When you say no to God, the church suffers. Because what the church doesn't need is just like one thing and this thing and just that. No, the church needs all of us. The church needs to be multi-generational because we need maturity and wisdom and we need enthusiasm and youth. We need mums and dads. We need singles. We need people who are working in banks, people who are working in schools, people who are working in factories, people who are mowing lawns. We need all people to be stones of the living God who is crafting and building his wonderful church together. We are not to emulate one role over another. We are not to see one thing as being the, the pinnacle of being a Christian. Being a Christian means we follow Jesus. And God calls us to different things. But together, that's what makes the church beautiful. So question, if you are here and you are not a Christian, I'd like to propose to you, why don't you come and be a part of that? This eternal picture of God building this incredible kingdom. We would love for you to join us in that journey of just following Jesus and saying yes to Him. And He is worthy of our yes. If you're here and you're a Christian, what role are you playing in the building up of God's church? How can you contribute with whatever it is that God has given you? What are those things that you are afraid of and say, no, 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 God, don't, don't pick me. Pick Dan. She's awesome. No, don't, don't pick me. Pick, pick Haley. Like, she's got it. <clears throat> what if God's like, no, 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 I'm picking all of you. You're all on my team. Come play. This is what Jesus offers us. And as a church, we are committed to saying yes to God. We're committed to inviting you to encourage you to say yes to God. No matter what your contribution is, it matters. 
No matter what that is that God calls you to, it matters. You have value, dignity and worth. You don't have to get up and preach a sermon. We need less sermons, amen? We need shorter sermons. Can I get an amen? (laughs) We need less of that. The best ability we can give God is our availability. How can you make yourself available to whatever it is that God is calling you to? So, yes, Lord, we'll serve you. Yes, Lord, use me. Yes, Lord, send me. Yes, Lord, I'll use that gift. Yes, Lord, I'll sacrifice my preference. Yes, Lord, I'll give generously of my money. Yes, Lord, I'll commit to serve on Sundays. Yes, Lord, I'll commit to a life group. Yes, Lord, I will call that person. Yes, Lord, I'll text that person. Yes, Lord, I'll make sure I say hello to that person and smile. Whatever it is, let's follow Jesus. And let's, let's get on the vision and mission of what he has called us to. So, Let's look at our vision and mission for last year, which we didn't achieve. Uh, Last year, we had all these dreams and goals as a church that we wanted to do. And God, in His sovereign plan, went, Ha ha! Your 2020 vision sucks. You need better eyesight. (laughs) And we're like, dang it. So we've all gone and got glasses. I don't know if you've noticed that about our team. I just said to all of our team, right, our 2020 vision is bad. Everyone must wear glasses. So that's what we're doing as we're getting older. (laughs) Last year was a different year. Our dreams and our plans didn't come to fruition, so we had to pivot and move. And like all churches around the world, we did that. But I just want to remind you that in us doing that, God did some incredible stuff last year. I don't know whether you're aware of this, and I want to make you aware that God did incredible things in our church through a difficult year. So for example, last year we prayed more than we have ever prayed as a church family last year. Way more. 2021, we want to pray even more than what we did last year. Last year, God really brought us to our knees and said, hey, listen, if, you, if we're going to see the church build and church advance, we need to pray. So we grew in our prayerfulness last year. Last year, we grew in the number of leaders we've ever had. We were expecting leaders to decrease because of the complexity of last year. We had more people put up their hand to say, hey, we'll help lead that huddle. We'll open up our home. We had more than we've ever had before. It's incredible. Last year, we had more meals and packs delivered to different households than we've ever had before. More people sharing of their own personal uh, resources than we've ever had before. Weirdly, we grew in size last year. So I, I literally have met some people in the first few weeks of this year who were with us all last year that I never got to meet because of COVID. And you're like, where did you come from? How did this, this is great. Like the church didn't decrease, it actually increased in people. And some of you were still getting to meet. We had a bunch uh, join us for our welcome to LCC night. It was great. We grew in generosity last year. Our giving, financially giving, of people giving out of their own free will went up, not down last year. That's crazy. That shouldn't have happened. Why did it happen? Because God built his church. God did incredible things last year. And God's going to continue incredible things this year. So a couple of things that we are seeking for us this year. Number one is uh, we are increasing our elder candidates. So we're going to let you know in the coming weeks some of these things and who these people are. But we are increasing the level of eldership in our church, which is a great thing. 
because then we can have more viewpoints and more voices and more eyes speaking into the health of the church. Uh, this year, we're increasing in staff, so we're exploring a few people coming on staff. We looked at last year raising some money for that. Um, we're going to do that this year. So we're going to have more people who are going to get time to be paid to do specific roles, which only benefits us as a church. That's cool. It's great. Uh, we're going to look at increasing uh, new people who are in life group leading. So we've got a few this year who are leading for the first ever time. That's awesome. Prophetically, I'm speaking now, there's going to be so many more serving in kids ministry. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. It's going to be incredible. I just, I just see it. I just see there's so many people put up their hands for kids ministry because they love it. For those of you who don't know, last year we planted, uh, 2019, we planted a church up the coast called Life Center Church Calandra. They started in a home. Went to a new venue halfway through that year into, into a venue. And then 2020 hits, no venue, COVID hits. Halfway through the year, they found a brand new venue. So now they're on to venue number three, and it's a community center, which is even bigger. Not only that, they've just put on their first staff member this year. So now Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy, has someone who's next to him doing a lot of the work and helping. How cool is that? That's that church up there who's a part of our family that is also seeing growth an increase. Uh, last year, we, we, we put this up again, if you're new, uh, we give 8% of our general giving to church planting around the world. Uh, so uh, this year, we're giving that 8% to Liberty Church Coomera. Uh, we're going to give some of that to Redeemer Church in New Zealand. Some of that is going to some missionaries in, in the Ukraine called the Paxes. Uh, Shane and Jeremiah over there. And then we've got C. Clay and his wonderful family over in South Africa who are going to be receiving funds for us to help them in their church. How cool is that? Little church in North Lakes and little church up at Calandra are going, you know what? We want to just see the kingdom of God and bless other churches. That is awesome, people. Do not underestimate what that is. That is incredible that we are able to give so much away and bless others. Now, some of these churches will have some videos that we're going to show um, of just saying thank you. Some of these ministries are going to say uh, a bit of a thank you to us. Do we have one today? We have one today. We are going to play that. So this is uh, Pastor Darren Dacus from Coomera. Uh, if we can play that, that would be wonderful. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.